at the Wild Goose Festival, and we're gonna go around and do a little do a little intro, uh, just a brief explanation of Wild Goose. We're at Hot Springs, North Carolina, and there's a bunch of people that are Christians and agnostics and Muslims and Buddhists and whatnot. And we're gathered in the forest, drinking and listening to music and just living our best lives. So now we're gonna go around and we'll start, start with you, Sarah. Yeah, yeah, so for those of you who don't know, this is Bible Bitches. Um, I am Sarah Hoff, I am agnostic. I went to divinity school with these two jokers and now I'm here. <laughs> I am Laura Barclay. I am a ordained Baptist minister and Star Trek aficionado. Mm. Yeah, went to school with these two yahoos. Yeah. Got into a lot of mischief. Uh, my name is Erin Goddard, and I'm not one of the Bible bitches. I just sat down at the bench, so I'm here. Lies. No. You're our honorary bitch. I'm honorary. Yeah. Honorary. Yes. I got a shirt, so. You've got yeah. a shirt. You're legit. But is um, she too legit to quit? Is she? We're, that was my first concert, by the way. Oh, what? MC Hammer. Really? Mine was Michael W. Smith. Um, <laughs> no. So you're really going to like the Amy Grant concert. Tonight. Yeah, I'm pretty proud. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. okay, so we're, we're going to be talking about Ruth today, but before we get to that, I would like to introduce our fourth honorary Bible bitch, Sasha, the inflatable T-Rex, which we will post pictures of on Twitter and Facebook for those of you not in our presence. Oh. Um, okay. Yeah, do I'll do overview? a brief over, overview of Ruth, and then we'll, we'll get get down to the nitty. Okay, so Ruth, she is a Moabite and she's married to a Jewish man. He dies um, along with his brother who is married to Orpah, also a Moabite woman. So all that's left now is Ruth, Orpah, and their Jewish mother-in-law, Naomi. They're living in Moab, but Naomi, the mother-in-law, decides to return to Bethlehem as her husband and sons are dead and she's grieving, right? She's really sad. So a sidebar to that is Moabites are considered outsiders and had sometimes okay relationships with the Israelites and sometimes strained relationships with them. So you need to know that Moab, the land of Moab, the land of Ammon, were born, uh, Moab and, and Ammon were actually people, according to, you know, the books-ish, maybe people, whatever, were born to Lot and Lot's elder and younger daughters, respectively. In the aftermath of the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, and I feel like I want you to refine this for me, the Bible refers to both the Moabites and uh, Ammonites as Lot's sons, born of incest with his daughters. Yeah. Okay, you want to yeah. take that away? I mean, we've, y'all read that story, right? So, like, his daughters get him so drunk that he can't consent, and then they rape him, and then those are the sons that we are now talking about. <laughs> it's it's Not incestuous rape. How do you feel about that, Erin? I feel like it's fairly clear how one should feel about it. <laughs> no, I feel like there's a lot of wiggle room there. <laughs> You're like, I don't know, there's a great Erin's not going to take the controversial position there. You know, not nope. on this one? Not on this one. Not good. on this one. Don't die on that sword. <laughs> that's, not, that's not my hill. It's not a good one. Um, so basically, I feel like that's a strong message to what the writers of various books of the Old Testament think about Moab and Moabites. It's just, you know, a little sketch. A little bit yeah, of a sketchy I mean, land. Like, I, I mean, like, my reading of it is a very modern interpretation. Like, right. in that scenario, in previous readings, I don't know that any theologian would be like, remember that time when Lot's daughters raped him? It's fucked up. That's, that's just, like, a very 21st century lens. Yeah. Anyways, but you're right. Like, the Moabites were not the best beloved of, they weren't. of so, the 12 tribes. So, you know, like, Ruth 
and Orpa are kind of outsiders, basically. And so, so Naomi's starting to think about going back, right, to Bethlehem. So do they want to come with her? I don't know, right? Let's think about that. So Naomi says to, to Ruth and Orpa, turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Do I still have sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Full stop. That's a huge age gap. Like, Explain talk about May-December romance, all right? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. Even if I thought there was hope for me, even if I should have a husband tonight and bear sons, would you then wait until they were grown? Please don't do that. Don't do that. Would you then refrain from marrying? No, my daughters. It has been far more better for me than for you because the hand of the Lord has turned against me. Then they wept aloud again. Orpah kissed her mother-in-law and peaced out. Uh, but Ruth clung to her. So she says, See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth says, do not press me to leave you or to turn back from following you. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. There will I be buried. May the Lord do thus and so to me and more as well. If even death parts me from you. When Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more to her. So, spoiler alert, if you have not read Ruth, the Too Long Didn't Read version, Ruth goes home to Bethlehem with Naomi, and she ends up marrying Boaz after a sexy, sexy threshing floor scene where she uncovers his feet, a.k.a. penis, and becomes one of four female ancestors of Jesus listed in the New Testament. But this isn't about Boaz. I don't think. I don't even want to talk about Boaz. This is about Ruth and Naomi and the nature of their relationship. Two things. One, we're going to talk about Boaz. Damn it, Sarah. What's going to happen? Damn it, Sarah. Naomi is like the saltiest woman in the world. (laughs) (laughs) She's such a asshole. (laughs) Kind of love it. Kind of love it. So, there are a few different takes on this. Okay. No, you give yours first. Okay. So I wanna, I wanna kind of, you know, you're, you're kind of, you want to talk about Boaz. You know, you really. Think he's integral to the story. I, yeah, well, he is. I mean, like, he is integral because I. I mean, like, I understand wanting to focus on Naomi and, and Ruth because so much of the story it revolves around their relationship, and there's a lot of meat there. But the way that Naomi coerces Ruth into interacting with Boaz, I think, is a significant element to the story. Okay, so I get it. Like, I get that you think that there's a sense of, like, coercion there with Naomi being like, hey, why don't you just go to the threshing floor and, like, look at no, Boaz's feet. It wasn't, it wasn't a why don't you. It was like, you're going to do this yeah. thing. Right. Okay. But I just want to back up, though, because let's, what, what if, what if, I just want to pause it. Like, there's several possibilities for Ruth and Naomi's relationship. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. let's talk about the most um, interesting one first, I think. Um, one possibility is that Ruth and Naomi loved each other romantically. Well, let's take a pause. Let's take a pause. Let's take a breath. You might need to think about that. Because I, personally, as someone with a mother-in-law, that freaks me out a little bit. Slash a lot. Um, because my mother-in-law is a wonderful lady. She's very fit. I love you. I love. I love you, Becky. I do not love you in that way. <laughs> you are like a mom. So sidebar: my my husband is in the audience right now, and he's he's got a look on his face. <laughs> so I see Ryan. I see your mom as a mom figure. Stop. Just full stop. She's she's mom. She's second mom. Right. Um, 
So to me, it's a huge transgression, right? But I also get that in the Old Testament, it was different, right? And in those, those times, it was very different, right? Women didn't have a say in their partners at all. Marriage was not for love, but economics. And since marriage wasn't for love, lesbian marriage did not exist, even though surely women loved women, right? Therefore, it's possible for Ruth to have been forced to marry someone and then actually have developed quite a affection for Naomi and vice versa. So my question, Sarah and Aaron, why would Ruth leave her culture and her people for another country if there wasn't deep love there? Um, Kitteridge Cherry, a priest with the Metropolitan Community Church, stated in the article, Ruth and Naomi, Biblical Women Who Loved Each Other, published in December of 2017, stated, were Ruth and Naomi lesbians? The same Hebrew word, debak. There is a uh, professor in the audience, so he's probably thinking you did not pronounce how do, that how correctly. How do we pronounce it correctly? Good. good. Okay, debak. <laughs> Thanks, Roy. Um, debak is used to describe Adam's feelings for Eve and Ruth's feelings for Naomi. In Genesis 2.24, it says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. The way that Adam cleaved to Eve is the way that Ruth, Ruth clung to Naomi. So why would Ruth leave her culture and her people for another country if there wasn't a deep love there? Well, so, again, like, this is, this is a short book, and... Like, the idea of this book, what this book is intended to do is to tell the story, to tell the lineage of King David, because Obed, their child, then has Jesse, who has King David. And so I would say it's very arguable that without that piece of it, like, without that lineage piece, this book wouldn't even be in there, because it does focus on women. And I mean, like, that's just my own opinion. I can't back that up with anything, like, in the text. But Okay, Sarah can't back it up, period. <laughs> but I would say that, like, so there. So what all that is to say is that there are a lot of different readings. It's, it's vague, and there isn't a lot of context, I would say. So, like, what you read as, like, a kind of, like, a nice friendship story, you could also read as, like, Naomi, who then changes her name to Mara, which means bitter, as being a kind of manipulative, like problematic relationship where Ruth is just this na naive, like young girl who doesn't know what to do and is like maybe, like there may be some nuances there. I want Erin to like talk to her about her piece before we talk about the nuances. But um, it, I, th I think that there is definitely like a manipulative aspect where Naomi uses Ruth to get into like a better standing, basically with Boaz. I don't know, Aaron, but... what's, going, what's going on on the threshing floor, Aaron? Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot going on on the threshing floor. Yeah. But I feel, I feel like it's hard to read any part of this book without looking at it through a lens of survival. Because you've got three women in the beginning who've lost their male protectors, spouses and, and sons, and so they are adrift in the world. So I think these are people who are looking to just survive. For me, that colors everything else that, that I read into this, whether that survival engenders between them a really intimate relationship, whatever that ended up looking like, romantic or platonic or a mother-daughter thing, or... Um, and I think it also colors the the idea of this manipulation. You know, is is it manipulation, and is that always a bad thing? And you know, is um, is Naomi just trying to help Ruth survive in this environment where she had 
nothing. You know, she didn't have anything to fall back on. Yeah. Naomi had Boaz as a, a relative to maybe kind of fall back on, but, you know, she she changes her name to Mara. So I kind of get the impression that she was not planning on being a survivor. She was planning on letting that be the end of her story, but then she has Ruth who clings to her, and so then they both are kind of thrust into this role of being survivors, and so they they act in ways that they would not behave if they had that fallback of, of some male protection or some other thing that would allow them to have agency in their lives. So, okay, yes, but also, so <laughs> Orpah wrong? was also a Moabite woman, mm. but she chose to go back. So, why do you think that, she, like, Orpah and Ruth chose different survival stories? Maybe Ruth was really attached to Naomi in some form or fashion. She's <laughs> coming back to the, they had the intimate relationship. Well, some so form. Right, I feel like, she's she's, I, I mean, like, the, the whole where you go, I, like, that is used in wedding vows. Yeah, that, for sure. That is, okay, Ryan's not here. That is maybe better. I don't even remember our wedding vows. <laughs> they were good. Sure. I liked them. I'm sure they yeah. were great. No one likes I love, Did, I love you, Ryan. <laughs> but I, he is, okay, he yes. is holding up a handle of bourbon and smiling, but he's out of listening range. So he's, he's happy right now. He's just living his best life. But maybe, okay, so the cynical part of me says maybe Orpa had like, uh, some sort of family system that was still intact that she could go back to, and maybe Ruth didn't. We don't. We don't really know. Yeah, yeah. that's what I'm um, saying. Like we can read in like almost. We can read in so many interpretations. Yeah, but Naomi. Well, and I think you're right because you asked earlier, like, what would make Ruth choose to leave everything that she knew and go to this place? And, and so I think there's this sense that Captain Planet style, with their powers combined, they can survive this otherwise unsurvivable circumstance that they're thrust into. So it occurred to me, as we were reading this and talking about it earlier... This is, like, one of the most brilliant epiphanies you've ever had. It's great, y'all. Gird your loins, audience. (laughs) Are they girded? Are we all familiar with Reba McIntyre and her catalog of music? Yeah. Short red hair. Big in the 90s. Okay. Country. So her her hit song, Fancy. Here's your one chance, Fancy, Don't Let Me Down. Are we... Is it running through everybody's head? Are you there? Okay, so I guess if you're... Okay, are we going to do a sing-along? No, we're not. Okay. (laughs) I don't think anybody remembers any other words except for... I don't even understand. Well, so it tells the story of of a girl and her mother and um, another child living in a a one-room shack on the outskirts of New Orleans. And and her mother is basically preparing her to go out and and offer her services as as a female sexual services to men of wealth. And I think I don't know, remember a threshing floor lyric. There was n- there mm. were no threshing floors. Was she fancy. supposed to uncover there was, feet? There was. I do remember the the lyric about how like her mom spent all of her last money on a fancy to buy red her dress. a dancing dress. Yeah. yeah. Who remembers all of the lyrics to Fancy? Who can sing it? Who can sing Nobody. it? Got no it. one's gonna raise their hand, even if they know. They're like, oh, <laughs> Roy knows it. Yeah, He's like, it. I know it all, not and I'm it. not budging. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so it occurred to us that this, you know, the the, the desperation in in fancy has a, a pretty a pretty strong thread to potentially the desperation that we're seeing here with Ruth and Naomi. That um, you know, fancy's mother sees it as her task to get her daughter out of this situation of desperate poverty by doing something that. Ideally, she would not be doing, but she is counting it as the greater good and that she gets her out of that. And so perhaps then Naomi is counting it as the greater good to thrust Ruth into this threshing, threshing floor situation so that she can... 
have a chance to survive. So, but why doesn't Naomi give Ruth, why isn't it a conversation? Why doesn't Ruth, why doesn't Naomi like let Ruth in on the plan? As presumably, if, if Ruth is this like naive girl. I don't know. I would maybe argue that Ruth is not a naive girl. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I have nothing dubious. to base that on. Well, she, yes, well, first of all, she's already been married. She's already, like... She has. She's, she's known the wonders of the codpiece. <laughs> <laughs> That's unacceptable. I just want to... I just want to ask that that phrase not be uttered. Like, okay, I think... Okay, Sarah, she knows her way around a threshing floor. Let's just say that. <laughs> she okay. does, indeed. She's been around the block. I know. I would say that Ruth's whole speech in the beginning to Naomi is her saying... I'm in on it. I'm here. I'm cleaving to you. Help me use your knowledge as the older woman to get me through this. And, and here, gonna... but here's the thing: is like I didn't write this down, so I'm just like doing this from memory. But I think in Ruth three. Bring your Bible. No, I didn't. It's it. Well, it's it's inside. I did actually bring a Bible, y'all. Um, there's a Bible on site. There's a Bible on site. Don't worry. Roy is my Bible right now. <laughs> He's on He's like, shit. I wish I had not seen. No, but uh, in Ruth three, it's it's he says something or she says something like daughter. She refers to Naomi refers to Ruth as daughter, oh, yeah. and she says something like. I want to ensure your safety. It's something along those lines. Vaguely, yeah. Ensure okay. your future. Um, ensure your future. Yeah. Right? Ensure, I, want, I want to, like, ensure your future safety, right? This kind of, like, I want to make sure you're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And so I think you might be kind of hitting the nail on the head, Aaron, with this, like, I really want to make sure you're okay, daughter. So she has, she has no kids anymore, right? They're all dead. Mm-hmm. So she's this mother of children that have passed on and she's called herself let's go with it she's called herself Mara she says she's bitter she wants to die I think she wants to go home and die and Ruth gives her a reason to live and so she's like you know what this is what being a mother looks like in that era like maybe you have to pour your daughter out a little bit like make sure she's okay because that's that is unfortunately what marriage looks like in that era but she's ensuring her protection she's like this is what it's this is what it's going to look like, but I'm going to make sure we're all set up and it's going to be okay. And I think that's almost verified with later on, you know, she, there's this kind of scene at the end where she's holding and nursing her grandchild. Yeah. Well, so the, I think that that's another important part of it. So there's there's this whole, like, vein that I shouldn't get into right now because we haven't talked about it at all. But there was a lot of conversation. I mean, like, from the stuff that I was reading, a lot of it was about this kind of ethnic assimilation, Right. And how Ruth, as a Moabite, coming into an Israelite situation is kind of like, 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 how did I describe it earlier? Like, um, Israelite, Israel was like the Netherlands, like, it's like beautiful and like, ah. and then Moab was like, maybe not so like economically stable. No one's trying to get into Moabite. Yeah. Into right. Moab. Right. No one's clamoring down the doors of Moab. Right. Yeah. And so like, as soon as Ruth duty is done. As soon as Obed is born, Ruth just, like, drops out of the story entirely. And, like, you see Naomi, or, like, you hear Naomi is, like, suckling Obed, but this, that's how you do it. That's how you do it. not Sa- how you do Sarah that. is um, motioning. I have, Sarah, I, have, I just want to explain what Sarah is doing right now. She has uh, an odd cradling kind of thing, and she's saying that this, this is, is how, how you, you breastfeed and you rock rapidly yes. the child. That is how As you it's do. trying to latch onto your nipple, that yes. seems very intense. I'm just gonna. I know that that's not something that you, Aaron, you've breastfed want to do in your lifetime. Okay. But I just want to say that 
just holding things don't steady is what you want to do. You just want to so keep just like still. Like this. Aaron, have you ever rapidly rocked your child while like, breastfeeding? No, I don't do? like being spit up on. So <laughs> you, like, yeah, you have to pump motion. the child towards the breast. <laughs> you definitely don't. Do not. I just. This is not. This is not what this podcast so, is about. Very clearly. So you know what? Um, <laughs> or we would have do, better information. Do not at us with any maternal-based questions. No, so just, we've, no. we've actually got it. I'm, I'm gonna look that shit up on like WebMD, and yeah. it's all gonna be cancer. It's all it's cancer. Everyone has horrible diseases. Don't don't ever. Yeah. It's like, can I just breastfeed my us. child like this, and it's gonna be like you have ass cancer? Like, it's yeah. don't don't do it. Anyways, all yeah. of that is to back, say to is back that to like, I don't I don't think I. Like and maybe and maybe it's just like the the narrator or the storyteller is making that statement, but I really don't think I really think that Ruth is like a pawn. And I mean, you know, I'm gonna double down on this. I think Ruth is a pawn. <gasps> I'm shocked, Sarah. I'm shocked. I know. <laughs> I just blew everyone's minds. I, I even if it is a question of survival, Naomi yeah. is using her to for her like for her own survival. But and the narrative like refuses Ruth a voice in the end even mm-hmm. after her son is born like once that lineage is established mm-hmm. she's gone mm-hmm. okay okay I mean but I I feel like from the rest of the text she has some siblings of agency with Naomi because she is wanting to go she wants to go she does want to go okay what okay let me pause it a third option yes okay third Ready. option what if, okay, what if it's not mother, what if it's not Naomi as mother, what if it's not Naomi as lover, what if it's that they're besties, okay? I would like to, I would like to say what this gives us in the story. One, it says that women's relationships matter, right? Regardless of if they're, like, sexual or if they're just purely platonic, like, they matter, right? And the friendships, they shouldn't fall away just because of heterosexual marriage, because once that marriage bond is gone they're still tied to one another um and i have a quote here from one of my faves uh renita weems who is a womanist theologian and scholar she wrote justice sister away and on page 27 she says ruth and naomi's legacy is that of a seasoned friendship between two women that survives the test of time despite the odds against women as individuals as friends as women living without men She goes on to say, we need to take seriously the quality of our relationships with the women and men in our lives and refuse to be forced to choose between two good relationships, a romantic partnership with a man or woman, right? And a sustaining friendship with a woman. So it's saying that these, that these, whatever it looks like, if it's, uh, you know, romantic, if it's maternal, if it's friendship, these relationships really matter. And I kind of almost like that it's ambiguous, that it's a really ambiguous because all of those things matter. So yeah. That's not like, that's not in keeping with the tone of the other books. I mean, like, I know they're all written by different people, blah, 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 blah. But, like, there, were, there weren't a lot of these, like, nice stories of people, like, making it in the world in <laughs> the Old Testament. And it just seems like no, it would be there, so like out of place. Like a buddy cop film? <laughs> there wasn't. There's no buddy There wasn't an film. odd couple yeah, no, in no. the Old Testament. Uh, I think what I would say to that first, Sarah Hoff, is... <laughs> <laughs> yes, Bye. that's that's my first thought. <laughs> that's my first thought. because I think yeah. So the, the biblical texts were most likely written by men and fiddled with over centuries. Probably not. No, that's and pure so text. I don't stop it. <laughs> and so cut it out. And so I think I, I want to go with the thought that I I don't care. 
why it was included in there in the first place. I like the focus on on the importance of female friendship. And I like the idea that it is kind of singular amongst biblical texts because because it's highlighting the importance of, of that thing. And I get to interpret how I want to because I exist in 2018 and I don't care what some scribe and back in the day thought about right. it. And, and Jill like, Crenshaw. That's what I take from it. And, and that's, Jill Crenshaw. And, and Jill Crenshaw. Yes, I'm sorry. Jill, Jill Crenshaw, the acting dean of Wake Forest Divinity School. Who we all love. Who we, and she's we our love. patron saint of awesomeness. So, no, but what she would say is lean into the ambiguity. Right, lean into the oh, chaos. I love that. Right? Use that comfort. Right, it's great because here's the ambiguity. thing is we can't know. We just can't know. There's so much that is, you, like you said, it's a short book, right? We don't know. We don't There's know. so much we don't know. Did Ruth have an intact family system, you know, back in Moab? What was the relationship like between Ruth, Ruth and Naomi? Was it manipulative? Was it not? Is this what a relationship between two women looks like in, you know, yeah. ancient... Israel society out of necessity because of like oh my god the patriarchy so I kind of like the ambiguity of it that like we can both like hold intention and ambiguity um that we don't know that we can learn as much as we can about this and still not know and then also say how is it applicable for the 21st century church so that's kind of where I'm at with it can do you yeah. guys mind? I would kind of like to know. Does anybody in? Do any of y'all have any thoughts? Yes. This here, is Adele. Here. Do you want to? Do you want to come up and talk? Yeah. The mic? Sorry, we yes. we only have this one. <laughs> this one. So I don't think it really matters if we know what relationship it is. For us, as we define Christians, it doesn't matter who you are when you come to church, you're welcome. What we can learn from this is that in dark, difficult times, together we can survive. Mm. Right, which is super applicable for the nightmare scape of 2018. That how how can we survive in, in dark times? Yeah. And maybe it's through relationships. Yeah. Through clinging together. That's yeah. true. Yeah. And like and, and that's true. Like that yeah. definitely speaks to like the malleability of the Bible and like how it's been able to survive throughout these many, many, many centuries is because it has that like that ambiguity that allows us to keep coming back to it and viewing it through a different lens and still hearing a different message that is applicable to the day. Well, and Adele, I really appreciate that you brought yeah. that up because I feel like if we're looking at it through Ruth and Naomi were besties and had some sort of relationship that is undefinable but very close. Like, I think about the times when I have called, you know, the two of you or, like, you've called me and we've gone out and done our various things. Like, we're all involved in, like, really cool stuff. And then we have these moments of, like, existential crisis where we call the other person and we're like, ah! And then, you know what? We talk about it and then it's like, suck it up, buttercup. Like, let's go back out into the world and do this thing. But we have a moment of, like, lament. Like, lament does have a place. And so we have this moment to lament with one another. And then mm -hmm. we go back out and say, how can you be, you know, it, we're talking about them being, like, Naomi being manipulative. But I also think she's pretty, like, politically astute. And so we talk about how can you be the most effective in the world, right? What is the most effective thing that each one of us could do to change the culture? And so that's what that looks like in the 21st century. I mean, in terms of like, maybe we, yeah, I, co I completely agree, Sarah, that we have no idea what the hell was going on here. Okay, does anybody yeah, else have any questions or comments about really Ruth or anything? Anything. Yeah. Yes. yes. Uh, was it Alan? It's Alan. Okay. I'm so sorry. I'm interested. I love that y'all hosting this show. What 
emotional, personal response do you get to this story besides like analyzing it? In uh, in divinity school, I remember one of my theology professors, Frank Tupper, said that you have to like basically like read it all, like learn it, analyze it, and then just like throw it out the window because you have to know how to engage it that way, but then you have to still be able to like read it and what does he call it? He called it the second naivete, which is not his term. It's another, and the theology is like, the theological person that came up with that is like leaving my brain right now. Roy, do you know it? I'm putting you on the spot. No, you don't. Okay. But the second naivete is where you like have learned the historical yeah. like truth to it. Like what, as much as we can glean from like. And then you realize that you don't have the understanding. You don't, kind of you deal. still yeah. don't know. Yeah. And so you just kind of, you know what you know. And then you're like, okay, what does this do for me in the moment? And so for me in the moment, what I'm taking from it is exactly that, that like I need these strong relationships with other people who identify as a woman that can sustain me um, through really difficult times right now. What about y'all? So the way that we like divvy up tasks is that I edit on the back end and Lara does the script on the front end and then I like edit, I like chime in. And so I was reading what she had written, which is all Renita Weems and like friendship and like love, which is exactly, like, that's, that's what, like that's what I want. Like yeah. that's what I want to read. But when I read anything from the Old Testament, I read it in this lens of just like, shit ain't good. Shit ain't good for ladies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, it ain't good. And like, and so I'm very skeptical to any like um, narrative from the Old Testament and mostly from the New Testament too. There are a few exceptions, but across across the board, I'm like, really though? And so that's kind of how I ap approached it, obviously, from, I think that was clear from my um, narrative here. <laughs> shit but, ain't um, good. Shit ain't good, shit ain't good. But um, this, is, this is the conflict that I have, I think, with the Bible and with Christianity as a whole is that like I appreciate the community I have a lot of good memories from it but at the same time I see I can't ignore the inherent problem in it like I can't ignore the patriarchy that is in it even if I don't want to like I didn't I don't want to read that into it but it's there and how do I divorce that truth of it from what I want to read so some people have thoughts by talking and some people have thoughts by sitting quietly by themselves. I have thoughts by doing, uh, making useless crafts with my hands. And They're not useless. Some of them are functional. Some of them are 800% useless. <laughs> and I remember in Divinity School when we were, uh, during our Old Testament class, covering Ruth. And um, we had to do some projects about it. And so I made an incredibly useless craft, which was um, batiking eggshells. Because that's how I do. What is it? <laughs> Pasanki is what it's called. Or what are you doing to eggshells? Yeah. No, you, you batik them. Nobody batiking. knows what that means. Of course they do. Break it down. Yes. <laughs> One have, person. So, two people. For batiking. We have two hands no. for batiking. Eric's got me. He has no idea. I don't know what to do. Stop it. Okay. Anyway, so you do a design on the <laughs> eggs, basically. So, anyhow. So, I made these, these Pasanki eggs about Ruth. And I remember doing a lot of... Uh, uh, cross-hatching on them so like kind of a woven looking design and then a lot of water even though there's no water in the story and uh, I can't remember what I was thinking about at the time when I made them but I think what that brings me back to now and when I look at that that egg is the idea of 
coming together and, and clinging to one another in that in that woven way and then then that that survival aspect of things are gonna keep moving like the world is gonna keep moving and so finding your place in that it's gonna sound real dorky ever moving river and I promise not to ever utter that phrase again um I am gonna go ahead and soundbite that Stop and then whenever it. you call me Stop that's it. gonna be like ever moving river, river. Ever moving river. <laughs> All right. I think, it's about, I think it's about that time. Thanks for being our first live audience. All right, y'all. Um, if you are listening to this and you have no idea how you found us, you can re-find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Um, you can find us also, if you want to communicate, tell us what you want to hear um, on Twitter, at Bible Bitches. You can also find us on Facebook, uh, at our fan page, Bible Bitches. You can check our citizen Gmail, right? Yeah, nobody, yeah but nobody no, we don't cares. check it. We don't care Who does email that. anymore? I'm going to start sending you But we do, we do love... Wait, Sarah do checks love. it once a year, and it's Bible Betches with an E. Yeah. B-E-T-C-H-E-S. Because, because apparently Google has strong morals. <laughs> yeah. We want to give a big shout out to Engaged Gaze. With who, a Z. With a G. G-A-Z-E. Yeah, G-A-Z-E, who hosts our podcast. You guys are great. I love working with y'all. Also, we love you, yo, Eves. We also love Aaron Doodles, at Aaron Doodles. He is a cartoonist, and he does all of our amazing art. So anything that you see of ours that says Bible Bitches on it, he is touched. He's touched intimately. (laughs) (laughs) With consent. With consent. I want to give a super shout-out to Erin Goddard. And, okay, you all need to find out about Moms Demand Action for Gun gun Sense sense in America. America. Yeah, work with them. But they have a lot of chapters. If you're interested in gun violence prevention, momsdemandaction.org doing great work in all 50 I states. All right. Uh, anything else? No. Thank you guys so much yes, for our first live audience you know, at the Goose. through this. Yes. We love you. Woo! Thank you.